I'm saved as you're saved. Oh, wow. Thank you. Also, if something happens, I'm less likely Dear goddess, please bless this podcast. <laughs> Please let this uh, podcast be heal the world. Yeah, healing. Yeah, contribute to good. Help young women mm-hmm. speak out. Give us all better careers too, <laughs> <laughs> which will help. Yeah, women. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Welcome. Take Down the Patriarchy. It's been a little while. It's been a couple weeks. We're I'm, sorry. We're sorry. Mm. We're, you know, we thought the patriarchy is taken care of, so we just took a little vacation. We're like, sometimes the patriarchy is like weighing so heavily on it's me. Kind of, yeah, that's a that good way to put I it. I can't get out from under it yeah. to podcast. It's really tough, like... So we've, I think we've both been a little bit busy. I've been taking, I did a, I'm on a development gig right now. She's got a job. Uh, guys. <laughs> God forbid. Everybody quit your jobs. No, don't quit your jobs. It's actually really hard to find a job it right is. now. And if you have a job and you're thinking of quitting it to follow your dream, I dissuade you. She's saying that to me who quit my job a, a year and a half ago to follow my dream. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not a good time to follow dreams. Yeah, you know, I obviously <laughs> it's have not to the have, season. Like, you have to have a plan in place for sure. Um, I think I actually would love to talk about that because I think people talk about this idea of like quitting your job forever a lot. And even when I did that, I I quit my job knowing that it wasn't like a quitting forever type of thing. Like, I think being a creative and having a creative life is really like you are signing up for a long ebb and flow of certain things. Exactly. Like, there's no such thing as quitting your day job forever and doing comedy. I mean, I talked about nor, that, that way on nor stage. Nor would I want to do it's a that. Good hook, but well, I mean, as somebody who has been doing this for years, working freelancing for like a few months or a year, and then taking time off. Um, it has always felt appropriate when it's time to like leave a job because yeah, I'm yeah. just like it's the job is done, I'm done with it. And then I've gone and like written or written my play or produced my play or just done a bunch of stand up. Um but like what I've found is that when I'm ready to work because I'm A out of money and B I just kind of need the structure yeah. and the stimulation and the day to day to other people. Yeah, like and <laughs> working I was, on things that aren't super personal to you. And just um, the life of a comedian, which I've kind of experienced just a little bit of. It's like it's kind of fantastical. Like it's just it's sort of interesting and out. But it, to do it all the time seems like it would make me a little, you know, cuckoo. Yeah, I don't know if I can do anything. All the time. I can't even work all the time. I yeah. told uh, I told Jeremy, my fiance, today that um, I the only two things that I want to do right now are read books and get massages. That's it. I think that's what you. Sh- I think that's what your job should fund. It's <laughs> just that's book reading. I mean, literally, massages. because I'm working so much, and not only just working so much, but I'm working on my own projects that don't pay anything so much. Yeah, I am like. There's nothing that I that sort of satiates me except one buying a book at Barnes and Noble at market price, and two I love it. I love paying twenty dollars for a book. I know it's just such a treat. (laughs) It's such a reward, and you feel like you're supporting. You're really supporting the author. Right, right. It's not like there are there are so many worse things to pay that much money for. Um, 
You're but like, you're like, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I know you need this twenty four ninety nine <laughs> or whatever percentage did, she gets. I did read her. Um, she has a cookbook out called like Whiskey in a Teacup. What I learned about being a Southern lady, and it's like very cute. Um, I'm a big fan of Reese in general, and also her book club. Oh, that's right. You think she's the nemesis of? Oh, and I also think Roxanne that she's Gay. Roxanne Gay's nemesis for sure. Randomly, for no reason. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, there's some reasons. I could probably draw like a crazy person diagram. Maybe I should do this. Like I'll do like a vision board. I'll do like the little like the red string on the thumb. I think you should do like a little show about your imaginary rivalry between Roxanne Gay and Reese Witherspoon, and Reese, and, yeah. and the reasons and, and the why. Reason why yeah and then and then make a little video and then send it to Roxane Gay and, and see, see what she yeah see and, if she and see her like she's like you are correct and see her like yeah or she'll say something like scathingly yeah. in like I'm, a real simple way yeah oh scathing in 70 characters <laughs> she's like I won't even take the 140 for Twitter yeah she'll um, she'll just be like no <laughs> it'll yeah. be like one word no period <laughs> yeah um, Nemesis Twitter was really blowing up today. This is, today is March 26th. This will probably come out um, soon. But Nemesis Twitter, there was an article that came out, and it was like, um, people are now tweeting about go. the Nemesis. Everybody's talking about it. And you know I have a million Man, feelings about Nemesis. And I don't, that's I don't even have one. That I know of. Well, I think it's if you're my nemesis, will you please like the article was basically like, and then everybody was tweeting about it. They were like, "Well, if you have a nemesis and that person doesn't know you exist, that's more like a you're it. That's not jealousy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the whole conversation is really interesting, but nobody's really digging that deep on it. Like, yeah, there's the idea that if you have a nemesis, you end up like tapping into your reserves that you wouldn't normally. And so that person ends up being really motivating to you. Um, I agree. And I, you know, I've had nemesis or people that I was sort of like, you know, like, wow, look at what she's doing. You mm -hmm, know, she's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think every stand up comic looks at a flyer and they're like, why am I not on this flyer? These people right. are all now my nemesis. You know what? That feeling's going away. <laughs> I don't really feel that jealous of anyone doing stand-up comedy. Let me just and that's when you know you've really been doing stand-up comedy, when you're jealous of nobody, because you're like, this sucks Solange's for nemesis everyone. is nobody. No, I mean, my nemesis would be someone who doesn't do stand-up comedy. They would be somebody who's just like, happy living their life <laughs> like i seriously like just yeah comedy do is do you think that some do you think that you are somebody's nemesis um possibly that's kind of um, interesting if you are because I've, nemesis, I've been doing i mean because i've been like i've been like pretty visible in comedy lately and not like just wanting to quit and I feel like that when you want to quit something, that's when you're really doing it. And I can say that because that's how I feel about the book I was writing. Like when you suddenly go like, you know what? This isn't fun. This isn't not that it's not fun. This isn't glamorous at all. Yeah. You know, it's like like that book. Remember that book I told you about about um, it's called Motherhood. Yes. Um, and what's the writer's name? But it's about um, this woman debating having children. And at the very end, when she decides she doesn't want to have kids, she says, you know, every time I thought about being a mother, it was always the good things. Mm -hmm. It was like this giddy feeling about like, you know, procreating and loving and caring. And I didn't think about the 
you know, just the, the drudgery. And she's like with writing, cause obviously she's a writer. I don't even know if it's fiction or nonfiction, but it's amazing. She's like with writing, I, I could see the drudgery and the loneliness and the tired, the, mm-hmm. you know, the hating it of it. And I still wanted to do it. Yeah. And I feel like that, like same thing with, I would assume I'm not in one, but a relationship, you know, where you can see both sides, but you're making a conscious choice. Like mm-hmm. I love this person. And so I feel like when you really hate, like when you've really seen both sides of whatever it is you're doing, whatever your dream was, like if it was like traveling the world or building a house or when you see both sides of it, that's when you really that's like... That's when you can really make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert wrote, um, I think this was in her book, Big Magic. I, th- I don't know. If, I forget if you've read Big mm-hmm. Magic or not. I, and I maybe it. this isn't in that book, but she calls that, um, what's your... F- Oh, no, wait, maybe it's Cheryl Strayed. I forget. I get them confused sometimes. But it, the phrase is, what's your favorite flavor? Maybe they're each other's nemesis. Oh, I could possible. see that. Possible. Or they're in love. I could also see that. <laughs> um, and I would love that. And I would buy that book in a heartbeat. It's um, a little too white blonde <laughs> of a couple for me, but... <laughs> I was like, I really see myself in both of them. Um, My hair color. Whoever it is says, what's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich? And because anything that you love, anything that you want to do, that you truly want to do, comes with a shit sandwich. And so you have to, like when it, like the woman who wrote Motherhood was like, if that if if writing has a shit sandwich and that's her flavor and she wants to eat that that's the path for her right. versus anything else um i don't like to eat any kind of shit sandwiches no i'm kidding you I want think everything I, to be like i think sometimes delicious it's and more come like dessert no, I like this sandwich. I will eat this and prove you wrong. And I will like yeah. that's I, I get a little bit more stuck on like, no, I will I will be good at this and I will well, prove I you think, differently. I think some of being a comic writer is a sort of defiance, you know, like I'm gonna do it because yes. there is this, you know, society's you really pressure. Yeah, and you and it's just like, I don't care what you think, I'm doing it. And that is a, a that's sort of like where that whatever rebellious dysfunctional part of you actually serves you to keep you going, you know, that, you know, I think that is a characteristic. Um, but as far as a shit sandwich goes, um, yeah, I think I, I, I don't remember that, but I, I love, I, that's like the only, well, no, I like two of Elizabeth Gilbert's books, Mm -hmm. but, um, committed and I feel bad that I, I'm such a like hater of eat, pray, love, but I do. (laughs) I feel like we talk about Elizabeth Gilbert a lot on this podcast. Maybe she's our nemesis. We don't know it. <laughs> okay, but but yeah, back to the shit sandwich. I think that's um I think like anybody who's successful in their field, they have gone through they have eaten so many shit sandwiches. Yeah. You know, Tina Fey, just shit sandwich galore, whether she talks about it or not. Mm-hmm. And and that's like and, and some people would look at that and be like, I just, I could not do that. I couldn't, you know, stomach certain things. And I think, um, I think I've kind of felt that way. Like, I, I, I don't know. Think about like all the patriarchy she's had to like, oh yeah, you know, put on her sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying to stick with that metaphor. Oh man, I just remembered. I should, <laughs> I just changed my mind about what my takedown should be. 
speaking of patriarchy and corporate environments, um, I just have so many thoughts on March Madness, but there's more than an hour's oh, okay. worth of them. I like that. Um, Mine's going to be about what we what we emailed about the campaign. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Wow, we're really going to have some hot takedowns. <laughs> we're but, keeping them secret. <laughs> but first, we're going to talk about our oh my god, I love our movie, movie of the week. Yes. Or our, our movie of, of the, the month. Of the, by, of the three weeks, of the thrice um, week. So our movie is The Breaker Upper 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 Errors. Breaker Uppers. Breaker Uppers. I love that they, they made it hard to say. That's like just so <laughs> and brilliant. And probably with a, with a New Zealand accent, too. So you can find this on, on Netflix, right? We watched yes, this on Netflix. It's, um, yeah, so it was created by two comics, two comedic women, Madeline, Sammy, and Jackie Van Beek, and they're both uh, New Zealand, um, from New Zealand, and it's a and they they wrote it and starred in it, which in itself is pretty awesome. Yeah, and this is pretty exciting too. I don't know if you knew this part. Um, the producers um, and the production company behind the um, film is called Misconception Films, and the producers hired several female department heads. They facilitated job sharing so that working moms were part of a gender-balanced crew. Wow. I know. Our producers, Ainsley and Georgina, were both moms. So one would do half the work or half the week and then they'd tag out. Can you like can you believe that? Yeah, it's it's a I mean, it was like a movie. I'm the target audience for this movie. <laughs> they, yeah, it, it all started with an idea, friendship, and one magical ingredient, Celine Dion. There are some killer, um, like there are there just like hilarious music on. videos in this comedy. Yeah, like they really go all out with um, with one just like funny dance sequences and funny music, but also just like like crazy '90s nostalgia that's like so wonderful. Yeah, and so the so the basic pre- ridiculous premise is that they play two, uh, they run an agency where they break up. For clients hire them to break up their relationship so that they don't have to basically yeah because which is which is in itself is a brilliant like not very explored concept of how like we live in such a relationship avoidant society yeah. that like we're just so just like I can't deal with the hard stuff I'm just gonna like disappear I could just there's an app for this right somebody could it's just break called up. ghosting. <laughs> And so basically, yeah, basically they're paid to like allow people to ghost, right? But but to cover it up, but to cover it up, so that they don't have to take the blame, or they don't have to do the literal. They're doing the literal dirty work for people, exactly. And they're and it's just it's absurd. It doesn't make any sense because they say things like like they they tell a woman like he died, yeah, and, like, and then he's really like on a plane to Rio <laughs> or something. Or like, they and she's up, crying. Yeah, she's they like, put up a missing persons, and they're pretending to be police, and their their uniforms are all it's like pretty, not really. It's <laughs> pretty thin in that regard. Like it's there's there's a lot of absurdity. That it's you absurd just have to like go in but and it, be like okay it's, with. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. Like yeah, this is. is ridiculous, and we know it, but we're just let's just go along. Yes. And then, um, and then, so the backstory is that they um, were dating. They were in love with the same guy. Right. That, and that was an interesting... We're not really giving them much away. It's an interesting reveal. Um, oh, yeah. But Spo- they... It's not really a spoiler alert. Yeah, they become... They basically became friends because they were slighted by the same man. Well, they were both... He was living a double life. Right, right, right. And it was them. And then they both found out and... 
um, out of like bitterness, this business was born. Which is absolutely, I love everything about this kind of story. It's like yeah. everything that I love in a friendship. Yeah. Like, uh, you know what book I was obsessed with and just story I was obsessed with was, um, uh, it was called 33. It was by Hector Tobar and it was about the, um, the miners who were trapped, uh, in, um, uh, why am I blanking on which country in, it was? Um, uh, per, no, uh. You would think Not, I would remember oh, this. Chile. Chile, the Chilean miners. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, the news was like obsessed with the stories about how one of the miners' wives found out about his girlfriend and they came together to like, you oh, know, rally it. for him and like pray for him and blah, blah, blah. But it was, they were like, it was actually <laughs> They just were like, like, oh wait, maybe he should die after all. You know so, what? Like, don't the, find yeah, him. The, Leave him down you know there. What? Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. The media, obviously, especially the American media, like loved this story. They were like all over it. They were like his wife and his girlfriend meet at the same time. But in the book, they talked about this idea that like culturally, it's actually not that abnormal for a man to have a wife and a girlfriend that people just sort of like, you don't talk about it or you don't really like, you know, it's just sort of people just know this. It's like commonly. And so like they knew about each other and this was like a working um, arrangement for a long time. But as soon as the American media got a hold of this idea that the wife and the mistress both find out that the man that they love is trapped below ground and are working together. It was just like so fascinating to me. But I I think that stories where women who were supposed to be pitted against each other end up coming together and working together, that's like uh, that would be right in my in, right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Yeah, I see a reality show coming out it, yeah, of that. Yeah, it's it's totally like I really respond to stories like that. Yeah, I mean, so the beauty is, so they come together and they they're actually like best friends and roommates and run this business together, and um, but it's kind of like they have this like fuck men, you know, yeah, sort of and ethos. kind of a fuck everybody ethos. Too. Yeah, <laughs> fuck love. It's yeah, like it's like lo- it's a fuck love. Yeah, because yeah. they also and they have each other, which is like I like. So that they're idea. each other's primary relationship and but it's a little bit unhealthy and then what happens is this this high school kid this maori is that how you pronounce it yeah i i say maori i know that it's probably pronounced better i actually watched a youtube video to try to get the pronunciation (laughs) right this is why i love jen she's so thorough um so this maori um kid comes in he wants to break up with his girlfriend who is um you know, in kind of indigenous, she's she, sort of this like actress. I meant to look her up. She she's was so hilarious. talented. Yeah, like she plays this like bully, and at the in the beginning, she's just like this like fun bully. But then she has a she has a music video, and she's really talented. Like as a yeah, rapper she's a and dancer, a dancer and a rapper, like, and yeah, and that's how she lures him like, in. Like is, that's their connection. Yeah, I was like, who is this woman? Like that is like some serious talent. Like when you watch, that. I loved all her friends too, and just their attitude. They were just like. Like the you know like the girls from the block, Such a crew. they're just like yeah, and then and they're like who's this anyway? So so she plays so Mel is the um, is she she's like part is she like she's Indian Indian yeah. and and she in the movie she has some really funny one liners about like she has she goes to meet Jen 
Jen's family and Jen basically like, Jen's fa- her entire family does a lot of cocaine, but like they're rich cons- New Zealand yeah, people, rich New yeah. Zealanders do a lot of cocaine, but just like ask her why she's single at 40 constantly. Um, that when she comes in, there's a picture of her and her ex-boyfriend hanging up and she's like, we broke up like 10 years ago. Why is, but so just like really. And so she, Jen, um, uh, Mel is her friend who's bisexual and so she comes to dinner with them and they're like, so are you guys, you're like, you're roommates, but that's a lie, right? You guys are just like together. And they're like, no, we're really just friends. Although it's, they do explore that a lot. Yeah. So they, they have like a lot of scenes where they're sitting together, like, you know, looking at the stars and they're like, should we make out? And yeah. Is that, and then they try and they're just like, uh, uh. I guess not. And it's sort of interesting cause it shows, I felt like it explored like female relationships, like. And how not that attachment is not a sexual one, even though they're trying to make it one. They're yeah. like, maybe we're lesbians. Right. And it's like they can't make that connection happen. It's interesting to me because, um, I mean, for several reasons. But one thing I thought about was like, one, because we chose this movie, obviously, we like female buddy comedies. We respond to stories about female friendship. Like, But I also just spent my entire life memorizing black sheep and Tommy Boy and Dumb and oh Dumber and every male buddy comedy that yeah. ever existed. So like I am like, give me a hundred more before I'm even like before there's even enough of, oh, of female buddy comedy. But I was thinking about how this is more easily explored in female buddy comedy than it could ever be in male buddy comedy. Can yeah. you imagine? Like that? Adam Can Sandler would never like try to make out with Chris Can you? Farley. Yeah. It just, like, wouldn't be... And even, like, a a more contemporary um, version of that... um, I'm trying to think of, like, who Matt... Like, even... um, Who's the... um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine... Oh, um... Adam... He went to my high school. Sandberg. Yeah, he went to... Andy Sandberg. He went to my high school. But he's, like, a few... He's, like, five years younger, I think. So, like, I'm, like, trying to picture him and somebody... Like, if that... If they did have a scene like that... It would be so much more um, just like it would be like a spoof. It would never be an actual exploration. Yeah, and they were like very serious. Like we're gonna, we're gonna make it. We're gonna do this. Yeah, and like, then let's, just we like might as well mm. try it out. And I was like, mm, not really. And we then can just go back to being friends. Yeah, and so they're they're basically just best friends. And then um, Mel ends up hooking up with a seventeen year old, <laughs> which I loved. And they're like, he's legal. <laughs> Kind of, and she gets pregnant. Which and Jen warns against this, and it ends up being sort of like an unraveling or a part of their unraveling as you know partners and literally. Well, not well. Then she crime. goes and lives with his family. <laughs> um, yeah, she's just sort of she. You know, they're, they're like they're basically partners. They're right. life partners they're life who are partners just best friends. Who are best friends, yeah. And which um, also is another thing that I think is really interesting because that is such a common and untold story of women being of women. Yeah. being part best friends and partners, and it it makes a lot more sense. I mean, I would much rather my life partner be a woman because it would just be so much more. It would be so much easier. But like we think that like our sexual relationship has to be your significant other. Yeah, and. Not necessarily. Something that uh, actually a friend of mine and or a friend of mine was recently talking about was the idea of um, your partner, your you know your intimate like your the partner that you're in a relationship with being your best friend, 
And we were like, I wonder, like, because for us, we're like, mm, no, we have best friends. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you and Jer. You're like, yeah. I love you, but you're not my best friend. Well, yeah. Sorry. And like, <laughs> I, I mean, he, it's, I feel like that's a lot to place on a person. And yeah. I also think generationally, like, we talked about how, like, our, you know, my mom is in her late 50s. And my mom was married in her early 20s. And that's the same goes for a lot of my friends who, um, you know, her, their parents basically after college or after high school got married right away. And so, you know, I have I moved out to L.A. when I was 22. I'm now almost 32. I've had an entire life where I've had, you know, the, the need and the time to develop all of these friendships, whereas the generation of moms who came, you know, of women who came before us and then became moms, our moms didn't have that. Like they didn't have the yeah, need for Or they had each other. They ha- I mean they had their group of mom friends. Yeah, right, which is kind of it's in some well, ways a little different. Well, I I've been thinking about that because like as you know, I've spent like 13 years dancing salsa and living in LA and like I have a lot of like I have a huge network here of people yeah. that I've been like maybe I mean a lot of them have gotten married and had are having kids so like you know it's not like you have a can be consistently close to them but like I just I feel like I have so many um just deep connections with people that I've had the opportunity yes. to develop because I've been single and not needed to like tend to my family yeah and that is like I sometimes I think about like all the people I've met and I'm like that I don't know like I don't know if people value like I got to like get to know these people that I never you know what I mean in a really deep way because right. I had the time because to do you it had the time yeah. yeah and the um uh I guess the license I guess to um like give you know to be able to have those friendships. Like you had like the, the free time, not just the free time, but you had like some, you had something to give. You know, yeah. Well, us. I will say this, like I was thinking, cause I was talking to Oops. a friend last night about LA and how like, it's so hard and everyone's like hustling and she's thinking about moving out, leaving. And I was thinking like, well, I got like, so I, I realized that, um, the happiest people I know in LA have are in dance communities, hmm. whether it's like West Coast Swing or Salsa. And I've seen, and I'm not really that into West Coast Swing, but there's like a whole like older scene, okay. like people in their 60s. And they're just like, they go to parties, they, you know, and they're always dancing. They're super healthy. They're in shape. They're coordinated. It's like a really healthy lifestyle way to, yeah. life, way to age. And when you say salsa community, like two big key components, salsa and community, like it's dancing, but it also is people who, you know, show up to your house with a casserole when something goes wrong or like who yeah. are at your birthday or at your play opening or at, you yeah. know, you're, it's a community. Yeah. And they, they really were all at my play opening. Well, yeah, I was at the, I was at the, because I dance on the promenade every Sunday and I was talking to this girl, I won't say who it was. And she was like, I don't know, telling me the story about Reese Reese Witherspoon doesn't dance also, (laughs) but she just, we saw some guy and she was telling me how she had given him BJ at one point, like 12 years ago. And the next day he was making out with some girl at the bar and we're like, of course he was. And he's still in the salsa That was like 13 years ago. We're all still Still in the salsa community. That's really funny. (laughs) Like it's, it does the same. I mean, it has not, doesn't have a lot of turnover. I mean, new people come in, but I think it's because it's so healthy 
to just have a place to dance yeah. and hang out and be outside. It's not like everybody likes each other, you know. But right, but it is. Ju- it it's is. a real community. Yeah. That this is always why um, I I understand things like um, growing up in a church, mm-hmm. um, and, and when people talk about you know something like leaving the the Mormon Church, for example, Salt Lake City has. I think this is so interesting. Salt Lake City not only has the biggest population of Mormons, it also has the biggest population of ex-Mormons because people who leave the church don't end up leaving Salt Lake City because they're so used to and know how communities operate and like are really community-minded. So there's a big community in Salt Lake City of people who are ex-Mormons who, you know, went through the same experience leaving their family, but don't want to not be around other like-minded people who share that lifestyle and who, so it's interesting to me how, and I think we're a lot of people, and I think maybe I just spend too much time on Twitter because that's where they live. But like we, I think one of the biggest dangers is with the withdrawal from community living in any regard, uh, or in, um, that, I think the internet makes very easy mm-hmm. um, that just like our lifestyles make really easy. Um, it, it really is the internet and being glued yeah. to your and phones. And that's why I think things like watching even like a buddy comedy like this where, you know, you just watch like a raucous, like two, like women on a karaoke night. There is like, I think I'm so lucky to have those friendships and to have those friendships with women. Um, I think there probably is like a really big fantasy element when women watch, they watch Bridesmaids or they watch movies like this because it's like, that is such a, uh, it's such a special thing. Um, And I think that that's, it's really cool that there are movies like this out there because I think art reflects life a bit in this way. When women see examples of like, friendships that can overcome things or like friends who work together. I think it's really healthy. And that they, well, ultimately the movie ends. She, they agree to raise this child together (laughs) and the 17 year old gets back together. Yeah. Cause the 17 year old's at like his college scholarship banquet and like, he's like, I'm going to be a father. And she's like, no, you have to go to college. Like, and that what he the, was hilarious. I, that was such a and Jermaine from Flight of the Concords has a cameo in oh, it. Oh, I didn't too. notice. He's having sex with. Oh, um, that's oh right, right, yeah. right. Okay, I love that. I whole, didn't watch that show enough to recognize that. Yeah, that one of the that was the br- sense of humor. That's the whole sense of humor is so brilliant. Yeah, that was one of the early scenes. Like what um, uh, Mel walks in on Jen, what she's having sex with him. Yeah, and she's literally just like. I'm hungry. Like it's just like that. That's how. That's the scene that they chose to like show their level of like intimacy and like the level of like lines that are not that are crossed with them. Well, it's funny because like, they had this. They both had the same like romantic, passionate relationship with the same man, and they're so disillusioned. And yeah, it's just right. like, and then they didn't after that. Either. Yeah, after that, they're just like, let's just be best friends. Which I felt like was symbolic because I feel like he just represents all men. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, he was great too. I like just that was, whole scene yeah. of showing him coming off the airplane, 100%, hey babe, yeah. and then he gets back on the airplane and sees the other girl, hey babe, you know, and I just that like type of that male personality that's so charismatic and that makes him feel so special, and then they feel so taken. Yeah, yep. Um, having been through a relationship like that, I can tell you that, uh, and if you're in one right now, you'll get over it. Trust me. <laughs> 
Yeah, you might have to go through a few of those. <laughs> you, yeah, unfortunately, you might have to. Uh, that those were the that was a one that I felt like I was never going to get over. And so when I watched that, there's so much humor in that because you see such he's just like such a uh, um, a caricature of that type of guy. Yeah, it still amazes me when I talk to women who are trying to make a man their their main relationship in life, and I'm just like. It's a lot That's, to ask for a person to be yeah, like of anybody. your life partner, your intimate partner, and your best friend. Like, guess what? That's gonna that person's gonna disappoint you. Especially <laughs> at this point in life when you've had so much life and you know so many people and Yeah. I don't know. We've all I don't know. I mean, but I'm not gonna say it can't happen, but um I'm not gonna say it can't happen to me. But it's just the my expectations are it, that is like the we've talked about it, that fantasy the patriarch gives you that you're you're gonna be protected and mm-hmm. saved, right? That and you're not gonna lonely. get like a special. And yeah. I was thinking that like, because we're used to thinking like you're in a relationship, not lonely, single, lonely, and it really doesn't work that way because relationships can be very isolating. Yeah, you could be alone. If I've felt alone next to a person before, <laughs> like, and being single can be very social. Yes. Um, you know, but it's just that. Yeah, that's a good point. That that's what I've realized. But you know, there is sometimes where you can't be social, and maybe you're sick and you're stuck at home and you're single, and that's where I think that's that's what I realized I need a relationship for is to just hang out when I'm sick. <laughs> we talked about this before. I was like, I think the first, the time no that harm. I had to take myself to the ER uh, was the time that I was like, I could get through anything. <laughs> Yeah, like once once you like could hit a like a certain like fear a fear milestone, if you will, and then you're like, okay, that was doable. I got this. I got this. Yeah, I'll be okay. There is a lot to say for the. There is, you know, it's just with the thing about female friendships that are so powerful. It's just you have someone like witnessing your life and experiencing, you know, seeing you go through stuff, but like. That's really in supporting you, but that's really all we can do. We can't fix right. each other's problems. Yeah. We can't save another person from the shitstorm that it's like a person to listen, a person to value out if you need it, um, camaraderie. And like most importantly, I think this is why I'm always so I mean, not to say that I'm not drawn to non female um ensemble movies, like throw me a throw on steel magnolias and I'm in. But female comedy specifically is like I so much joy in my life comes from being in a book club with a bunch of hilarious people comes from having ran a show with a funny woman comes from doing a podcast with a funny woman comes from my best friend from um growing up sending me photos today of when we were idiots when we were 16 and we were like oh i thought i was so fat then look at me i wish i looked like that like Having, like, so much of the joy that I've experienced in life has come from, like, I have a group of friends that we've gone on 12 trips together in our, throughout our friendship. Like, and when we were doing it, we were just like, yeah, why not? Put it on my tab. (laughs) Put it on my credit card. And we would take these trips and they were so valuable. Like, I wrote my, um, I was writing to my niece and I was like, when you get the chance, like, when you turn 18 and you've, you're, between you guys, between your friends, you have 60 bucks in gas, like, Take, hit the road like take a road trip stay in shitty hotels like you know stay in hostels explore like spend time with your female friends like they because you know we've talked about this before and how we hate Jack Kerouac like women actually don't get a lot of the luxuries that come with um, independent exploration 
And so there is this safety that comes from having this, like, a, a buddy to come along with you to go on those, exp- like, journeys of exploration. Because um, th- th- those are always my, fa- my favorite movie of all time is um, a little road trip movie that ends with a car going off the Grand Canyon. Boys on the Side. <laughs> oh, no, Thelma and Louise. I think it's like Boys on the Side, um, which I've never actually seen. It is. Like, female friendship is so... It's, and it, I love when it's celebrated, and I feel like this movie does a good job of celebrating Oh, yeah. It. And it's, it felt super modern and super inclusive of, you know... Um, yeah, I love the New Zealand culture and the Maori culture. Yeah, it was a really fun... Um, it's it's a good little trip into a different world. Yeah, and so we recommend it. Do it. Um, watch it. So, um, Support did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? Let me see. I've, I literally checked off things I was, but until I dropped my pen. So they're female filmmakers. We got that. Um... I think I think that covers it. Yay. I think you should watch it instead of uh, and and recommend it to You know what? Here's my thought. Recommend it to a man to watch because men we will watch movies about men being funny, but men won't watch movies about women being funny. So, watch it and then if you like it, recommend it to a male friend. Yes. So, um The Breaker Upper Ers Errs um, on Netflix. So we are Jenna's to get a massage really bad. So um, <laughs> our takedown yeah, for got, today. We've got some. Well, I have two takedowns. Well, I have a, I have two quick takedowns and, and a take action. Okay, you go first. I'll do okay. All. So my takedown is maybe a little dated. Maybe a little like two weeks ago. That's okay. But um, I like it nonetheless. So we have all these amazing female candidates, and then we have Bernie and <laughs> Beto. And I just feel like it just, I don't know, the Democratic Party, I don't even want to get into, has is, is not organized, not cohesive. Um, but, like, he seems um, to be, like, this fantasy of, I don't know, he's sort of like this rock star yeah. fantasy and um, he took this road trip to travel all around Texas and left his wife with kids. And he's made a few comments like, you know, yeah, I he, sometimes raise he children. Was like, sometimes she lets me raise them. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, I saw such a good tweet about that, which and, is, and oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead. Well, I I'll read an article about their marriage and she, mm. you know, she's a very kind of smart, powerful woman, but. You know, once you have three kids and your husband is a... It's just... They, it seems like they were both very similar kind of people, very upper upper middle class, upper class, educated, smart, mm-hmm. and then they they fell into the roles. Right. And he she became the wife, homemaker, and he became the star, you know, politician. And it just... it Reading that, it was like... First of all, he's so tone deaf. I, I kind of feel like I don't know if I feel like America is getting like really wise to the burden that women have. And for him to be that clueless does it not was, bode well. It was well. pretty. The comment was really, really tone deaf. Yeah. And maybe that maybe I listened to a different tone because it felt so ridiculously tone deaf to me. Um, if he was 20 years older, you'd be like, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. But he's supposed to be like this guy who he's gets supposed to be it. like hip. Yeah. And, and and I think a lot of guys are that clueless still. Um, 
but it it just but it just also seemed like she was a part of it. You know what I mean? She sort of fell into that role and decided she was going to be the homemaker and raise the children. And it just um, it, it just showed me like how powerful these like tropes are in our society. Like it's just so it's like bigger that these two really hip smart people just fall it into it. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is they're um, not, and it's like we're not really. Like, it just made me realize that we're not really making that much progress. Yeah, that it's, like, a, it's glacial. Yeah. Um, I We talk about this a lot, obviously, me and Jeremy, my fiancé. Yeah, I, you guys are on the cutting edge. You guys should write a book. I mean, we haven't figured it out it. yet, so talk to me in 10 years. <laughs> but, I mean, we talk about this all the time. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but we've talked, like, I want to have children. And we've talked about, so, Jeremy, my fiancé and I are both... Um, you know, we've both been working in the industry for 10 years. Um, I have a master's degree. He's gone to school. He's, he's nominated for a Webby. He's like, he's got a bunch of like stuff that he's done. I'm a producer. I'm a comedian. I've got a bunch of stuff that I've done. We both work on projects together. And I really, we talk all the time about how, like, if I want to have kids, I take, my stuff takes a hit. His stuff is of course going to take a hit because he's going to be a supportive father, but mine, my body takes a hit. Mm -hmm. It takes a hit for longer than just me raising the kids, you know, and then being able to go back to work. It's like, I have to take myself out of the workforce for a while. Um, It's a huge endeavor. And and then all the emotional labor that would come with kids too. So, I mean, there's, it's no joke. And I think the division of labor made, made it actually a lot easier because it's like one person makes all the money and then the other person it does like a divi- like a sharing the labor is really necessary but we don't have systems in place for figuring out sharing labor yeah. and we- our society is not supporting like you know what I mean it's not like it's you not- can be like hey neighbor watch my kids I'm gonna go for a jog yeah like that that never you'd be arrested yeah for that. mine would more be <laughs> mine would be like oh can you watch my kids I gotta go get a massage but uh <laughs> Uh, I saw... And you can't let your kids walk down the street and entertain themselves. No, because you'll get arrested. Yeah. Well, also because city planners were men and they planned cities not thinking of raising and bearing children in mind. You know, there aren't um, protected areas in parks, in apartment buildings where multiple people can keep an eye on their children at the same time. Feminist city planning is something I'm really interested in. Mm. I I like to to peek into that world a lot. but so one of the tweets that I saw that I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And I thought of you was about the O'Rourke comment where he says like, and then I raise my kids. And then sometimes uh, my wife raises our kids and sometimes I help. <laughs> um, somebody was like, it's not just that it's just like this, like, um, like he missed the mark on a joke and it just didn't set what settle well. It was like it points out the double standard that. If a female candidate have said, had said that exact same sentence, that it wouldn't just be a joke that was not funny. It would be that something was fundamentally wrong with her. Mm-hmm. If a woman yeah. said something like, yeah, I have kids, but like, you know, I, I never out. see them. Yeah. it would. Can you imagine if Elizabeth yeah. Warren said that? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Um, and that's what is so unfortunate about politics is that all these women who are like, they have to be insanely smart and powerful. They have to like create, they basically have to act to yeah. like this. There's this whole part they have to play that's totally insincere, inauthentic, 
I mean, yeah, I'm sure they love their children, but like they have to just play it. That that and Hillary Clinton <laughs> had to do that. Yeah, and it's just um, it creates because it's so insincere and everybody knows it. Like you didn't get to go to law school and work, you know what I mean, and do yeah. all this stuff, and then they're stuck. It's just that's when I think like, oh yeah, glacial is even. Fast. That's generous. <laughs> yeah. That's generous. The glacial oh, so is speedy. I pitched this for idea out to, to my fiance. I pitched this idea. That, <laughs> I love um, that you pitch him ideas in a relationship. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's, okay, what do you sit think down. of it? Yeah, sit yeah. down. Let's talk about this. So also he is an editor and a graphic designer. He shoots all, you know, he shoots my ladies room shows for me. He's already does like a big portion of like a lot of the work. That's like, it's, you know, our relationship, we're a production company, you know? Right. It's a gross way to think about it. But, like, we, I'm like, well, what will happen? So, say we have kids, and, like, I'm going to carry them. I'm going to be the one up at night. I'm going to be the one, like, at least showing you how you're supposed to. But why are you going to be the one up at night? Like, Because he doesn't have breasts to feed them. Oh, that's. I mean, well, in no, the beginning. But, but there's, that's what the pumping is for. Well, you still have to, like, they cry, and then you're the one who has the boob, and then it's just, like, that's how it happens. Like, it's just default that you're going to do the physical labor, at least in the first few years. And um, anyway, this is a long way of saying that I was like, I think that there should be a rule that you are only allowed to work on projects that have something to do with me while... I was like, we'll cue cue it up. You better be editing my video (laughs) if I'm. You're only allowed. Every time I (laughs) breastfeed, that's a short animated video I get to make. I need one uh, one minute Instagram video edited with with motion graphics. I know that's interesting because a child is kind of like a creative project. It is. We're content. So you're doing you're doing the creative work, and he's getting all the credit. So like you need, or he's getting equal credit. Yeah, he's getting you know. a co-EP credit. Yeah, it's like if like, yeah, like Steven Spielberg, you know, hired someone to direct it and everything. Yeah. He gets all the he credit. He just like can't showed up with a baseball hat and ate a banana on set. Which one it was just kind of well, well anyway. Yeah. So so you're saying is that we need to be creating other projects, not children projects Yes. that you do most of the work that and I get the work and I'm doing equal this. credit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want it. I literally want it to be, I want us to have a literal like sit down production meeting. That's like, this is how, this is how the labor works in this house. I know. And sadly it feels like that's what has to happen. It has to get all transactional because guys, are not aware of how much because nobody's yeah, documenting. I don't think there's any harm. In- we're not documenting like this is what it takes to prepare a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the amount of time. You know, this is what it requires. We're not all those hours and yeah. saying this is. Look at all this work I'm doing. My friend um, who has one kid was talking about, um, and she's a massage therapist. Was talking about just the math that goes into figuring out if it's worth it to get childcare when you go to work, you know? And then this started a conversation with my fiance and I about how much a babysitter costs, how much nannies cost. And so I pulled up a sheet that was how much you pay for a nanny per hour for to take care of kids. And he was like, actually, I think that if men saw a monetary value of what um, how much you, sh- how much women are, or how much um, a babysitter, or a professional is compensated for childcare? It actually would be a, it would be beneficial. 
like men actually do not understand the amount of compensation that should be paid or that is, is equated to this work. And that's just no, but nobody does because we don't, we don't value it. We don't treat it. Like if you go to work, you, you log your hours, mm-hmm. like how much time you spend on different clients. Yep. And we don't do that in our, I think you, did you ever read uh, refinery 29's money diaries? It's, I mean, it's like people like to look at it cause it's just like sometimes a car wreck. Cause it'll be like living on New York with a $500,000 salary. And they're like, mm, I guess I just have to have a budget today. Cause my rent is seven grand, you know? And it's just like you get, so they have it all different parts of the country and, um, it'll be like a couple with a joint, you know, $300,000 salary in Ohio. And you see how much they pay for their mortgage, how much they pay, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we should be doing that. Like, I think that like mothers should be having, somebody should be making a chart like that and sharing it. That's like, not only like what they're spending their time on. You guys should write that'll a book. Be in our future and that'll book. be in your book. That'll be that, that, that Jeremy's, Jeremy's gonna edit. write. <laughs> um, so what's your what are your takedowns? Okay, so we d- I do want to talk about. Did you see the story about the NASA suit? No. Okay, so there was supposed to be a female uh, spacewalk. Right. And I think I did see that story. They had to cancel it. It's it was supposed to be all women, but it's going to be um, a woman and a man now instead because there wasn't a suit that fit the other woman. The, the, like the one there was only one medium suit and somebody was already going to be wearing it so instead just to like make it easier and so they were more comfortable they're having a man wear his large suit because there was not <laughs> and it's just so like it's such the perfect like shit storm of ridiculousness when it comes to this idea of how the world literally is not set up for women like we like to pretend like we like to have these messages of empowerment and that's important. Basically, the world is like, like one spacesuit. The know, world is a giant spacesuit. It's all a spacesuit space that doesn't fit that us. That doesn't fit. So a man just has to step in yeah. instead because it'll Comedy be easier. Comedy is a spacesuit. <laughs> we can't. We, it is. We just can't. Everything is like that. I know. And like we haven't even begun to break it down. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of people were, because I immediately thought about this. Um, it was, a, uh, I forget who did the article. Oh, it was the Guardian article. Um, that it was called The Deadly Truth About a World Built for Men, um, from stab vests to car crashes. But it talks about how, like, the crash test dummy is based on a male body. Well, science, whenever they test drugs, they're always, they're tested on on men. men. So women are being, like, over-medicated. dying. Yeah. Even as as early as, like, I guess um, your uh, metabolic rate, um, basically the air conditioning office building is based on, um, the, t- the body we are freezing of men, <laughs> but that's why we're every- cold all the time. So even something that de- what's so crazy about that, like this NASA story is just so interesting to me because that's something that, um, like they literally were doing this female spacewalk as a, as a PR stunt in a way, like to get some headlines. And I'm, I'm all about that. Honestly. It's all very like band-aidy, you know, it's and, very, and it's it, not, it reveals and they don't, the gash. It's not, yeah, nobody, it's like the, nobody wants to look at the systemic inequality. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll just fix all these things on the outside 100%. and it's going to go away. And you know what? I really think it's not going to go away. Like this, you know, like women are coming forward and it's just going to, but it's like, we're just, it's almost like, it's almost like, um, you know, you, the closer you get, like, 
like I'm trying to think of a metaphor in nature, like the bigger it is, the bigger the problem is. Yes. Yep. You know, like the it's closer we get it. to it, it's just like, oh my God, I can't scale this. Yeah. You know, like the mountain looks like, oh, I can climb that mountain from far away. And mm-hmm. then you're just like, no, this is like a vertical drop, like a 10,000 feet. Like there's Bu- no way. Buckle up with the buckle that doesn't fit you because it was designed for a man. Exactly. With your <laughs> rock climbing gear, all designed all for designed men. All designed for yeah. a man. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, you got to freestyle that thing. <laughs> if you, you fall, this, you're on your own. This is interesting because I was like, oh, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So, like, th- one of the people they interviewed in that article um, is this woman named Wendy Davis, who is the director of Women's Design Service. Um, she goes, she was like, well, I question everything about design in jobs in general. For example, a bag of cement. A woman has a hard time picking up a bag of cement. A man has less of a hard time picking up a bag of cement. You might look at that problem and say, well, women can't do the job. And I look at that problem and I say, why does that bag of cement have to be that size? There's no reason that that cement bag needs to be that size. Yeah. A brick. A man's hand can fit around a brick. A woman's, can- a woman's can't. Why don't we redesign bricks? So I really do. Th- I I really like to talk about solutions that are so re- like really systemic. I want to live ones. in a house made with tiny, <laughs> tiny bricks. Tiny bricks. Yeah, <laughs> and small bags of cement. Because I mean, truthfully, yeah. Okay. Well, it's like hundred years ago. It's like Costco. Bricks. Like who needs giant things? You know what I mean? Like I can't shop there because I have nowhere to put. A giant thing of right. toilet so paper. Right, so it ends up. Be, it's a. It doesn't make sense for your life. So you don't do that. That design make, doesn't make sense. Right. And we're living in a world where our world no longer makes sense for that design. So well, let's it evolve. never did. But we just are so <laughs> used think, to being uncomfortable. Yes, that we we're used to like trying to shove ourselves into the into square it, yeah. peg. I think something though, like a bricklayer in 1910, right? That was a man because women weren't in the workforce. But we, except except in this um, around World War Two, women were working. Right, and then they weren't able to wrap their hands around bricks. Oh, I have a story really quick that I want to share. Let's do it. Okay, and then and then you got to get a massage. So I was I oh, went to Bakersfield this weekend. I know, I know. Don't be too jealous. And you didn't send um, your postcard. It. It Bakersfield is like a. It's hard to believe it's only two hours from LA because it, it's it, a different world. It feels like it's yeah, like a hundred light years. I stopped there to pee away. once on the way to Vegas, and I Are got you sure out it was as Bakersfield? fast as I, I don't think Bakersfield is on the oh, way to no, Vegas. Oh no, wait, what am I thinking? <laughs> Barstow. I'm thinking yeah, yeah, of Barstow. Yeah. No, no, no. That it's there's no reason nobody ever goes there Describe unless you know Bakersfield somebody there. Bakersfield in a couple sentences. Um, it's like. It's sort of like going back to the seventies or something. Like, like I have family there, and like nobody understood GPS. Like they spent half the time talking about directions. Like they'd be like, I "Take a left here and here." I'm like, J- "You know what? You can just give me the address." I black out when nobody... people tell me directions. I'm like, "Okay, I'll just nod until you stop talking." And then they they actually have like a big like Staples Center type of concert venue, and my cousin bought tickets and. And anyway, they they just wanted to sell tickets, so it was like like um, sixty style, like singers, and then like kind of like a Frank Sinatra type guy, and then white rappers in the middle, <laughs> and it was just like the most odd assortment of musicians. Anyway, I had a very I was like the whole thing was Bakersfield is surreal. Zach Galifianakis's um, show cl- um, about clowns. Um, is shot called baskets is shot there. 
Oh, and I don't so, know it at all. Oh, it's a great show. It's Baskets is amazing. So my aunt, uh, one of my mom's aunt, uh, she's like my great aunt, I guess. She was telling a story about when she was a little kid and she worked in the fields and she's lived there her whole, whole life and her and her siblings had to go and they had to spray pesticides on like really healthy work. They were poor. They had to do it. They were like 10, 11, and then they just gave all their money to their mom. And then she would give them, you know, dole out something for mm-hmm. each of them. And like the boys would get 25 cents and she would get 10 cents. Oh, and no. she asked her mom why. And she said, because he's a boy and you're a girl. And I was like, that's where it starts. Her mom did that. Right. But her mom is also like, this boy is going to be the one who gets hired at a job. And so he's the one who has to have shinier shoes and he's going to get hired at that job because he's a boy. And he's the one that's going to be able to take care of me when I'm retiring. So it's like this entire systemic thing that isn't like it's, it's steeped in our own like survival in a way. Um, and, but the idea is, is that you're only contributing to it if you are contributing to it. Like, and I don't even know. I mean, this is an immigrant woman. I don't. I think at a certain level, it's just, it's just. There's no like logical breakdown. It's just like boy worth more, right? I don't. Girl I, worth less. There's probably that the that thought might not actually be going through people's minds, but it is just it, that's it because that's how it works. Yeah, like that's what they that's what they th- that's what they would say because that's how it works. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was like it was it was just. Um, Super interesting. And it's a really very sad. Yeah. That sense of um I remember learning this in an early screenwriting class that like um people's sense of injustice is one that's like um when it's stoked it's really, really powerful. And I wonder when that injustice was really awakened in women. Like she she was she thought something is fundamentally wrong when she was getting paid differently than her brother. Because she was the oldest. Yeah. She was in charge of him. And so, like, what... And he's what is making it? more money than she yeah. is. Like, That's what is period. it that made her different? Like, what about her environment that made her realize that that was unjust and that she wanted... You know? I think yeah. about that. I, there's no there's no answer, but... I think it's a fundamental feeling. I mean, I think that we have... I kind of think it's innate that we all have, like, an innate sense of, like, no, wait, we're all equal. Why does this, you know, this person get treated differently? Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think in this comics, I think relate to this a lot, but like there is a a lot of an an underdog mentality that comes with a lot of comics who I, I think that sometimes it's a really good thing or it's a really bad thing where you, when you have experienced being an underdog, you know what that feels like and you want to prevent that. Um, I think sometimes people, when they experience being an underdog, they think, how can I make somebody else an underdog? <laughs> and I'm like, well, where does that, like, what, at what point does that shift? I'm really interested in that shift. Like, yeah, it can go either way. It can go either way. Anyway. I love that you have pause. I have what? Pause. Pa- oh. Egg dye. Well, it's I'm space. so excited. It's, it's galactic egg dye, which is. Oh my God. Can I come and cool? do that with you? I know I'm really excited about it. I actually bought it for a child, but <laughs> oh, I'm going mean, to buy one for me. But yeah, it's like really dope, right? Um, well, that was our show. Okay, I'll tell you guys next time about my thoughts on March Madness because we got to go. But oh, yeah. that'll give you something to look oh, forward yeah. to. We'll and we'll be back sooner, sooner we'll be back than three soon. weeks. Okay, thanks for listening.